0: What? Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we've got interviews, podcast series and content on all sorts of subjects from mental health, football, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, music and more. All the shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Please subscribe, click the bell and you'll get notified every time we upload a new show which is usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, but during these Crazy times of lockdowns and isolation. We're doing an extra show on a Sunday as well. uh, But there's plenty of content coming. You can also get the audio versions at all your usual podcasting platforms, radio apps such as iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and many, many others. Um, Today's show, one of my favourite types of show because I have to do no real research. Don't have to think of any interesting questions. I just leave all that to the viewers and the guests and the fans of my guests. And uh, the people send in the questions and then I put them to my guests. And uh, we have a chat. This is uh, episode number 13 of Unscripted and Uncensored. Completely unique series which we created ourselves. Another unique series which we've uh, recently launched is called My My Story. Uh, Episode number three will have dropped by the time this comes out, will have dropped uh, this past Sunday. With WBO world or former WBO world champion and Welsh boxing legend Mr. Robbie Regan, previous guests on that were uh, former Wales defender Rhys Weston and uh, former England cricketer Chris Lewis. Many, many guests. Um, we've had various different uh, guests on these unscripted and uncensored shows. Uh, a lot of them, cage fighters, boxers. We've had uh, Rodri Giggs, who was our brother of Welsh manager and Manchester United legend, Ryan. UK MMA legends, uh, Lee Remedios and Danny Batten. Shed Seven lead singer, Rick Witter. UFC stars, Brett Johns, Jack Shaw, uh, Modestus, Bukakash, which I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce his surname, but I keep telling him I (laughs) just can't do it. Uh, We've also had Cage Warriors and Bellator star, Tom Mearns. As well as Cage Warriors stars Oban Elliott and Paddy the Paddy Pimblett, plus Scottish interna- or former Scottish international defender Kevin McNaughton and uh, Welsh boxers Cody Davis and Gavin Gwynn. and uh, there's plenty more of these shows coming up today. I am joined by another Cage Warriors fighter, and as none other than Mr. Luke the apocalypse shanks how are you my friend you okay
1: great thanks my man thanks thanks for having me simon and uh yeah thanks for that little clip introduction clip that was cool man
0: <laughs> yes um so with this software you can only insert like really short clips it can only be like a certain size or a certain length so i have to be inventive with it because like obviously i'd prefer to put in like video clips and have like a clip of you fighting, or clips of people playing football, or whatever. Whoever the guest is, but I've got to try and work around that. So I've got to got to go with photos and uh, and music, unfortunately. But then yeah, I appreciate you saying that, and nonetheless. Um. So yeah, how are you finding the uh, the lockdown and not being able to to get out and about?
1: Yeah, yeah, not not the not the best, really, but um. I've used it as an opportunity to go, go back home and see my family. So, uh, yeah, come down as soon as I found out I wasn't fighting on cage Whereas Even caught up with uh, Danny just before the uh, real lockdown happened. That's fun. Uh, we just had a quick chat. And, uh, yeah, it's been good to uh, caught up with people. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm isolated. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. But, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there in worse states.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of just one of them at the moment. I think people, as frustrating as it is and as difficult as it can be, like everyone understands, you know, why, why it's happening, why we're doing it, but um, that doesn't always make it easier to, to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I, like I don't know about you, but like some days I, I'm all right with it and then other days I find it a bit more stressful and a bit more of a struggle yeah, so. so, um, yeah, well, so we're going to go into some questions which the people have sent in and, uh, and get into it. Lots of random questions about all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. just before we do, uh, I just wanted to uh, give the sponsors of the, the channel and, the, and this series in particular a bit of love. Away Day, of, Away Day Apparel is a fast becoming the brand on the casual scene as they continue to grow organically. You can check out their website at awaydayapparel.co.uk. Follow them on Instagram at awayday underscore apparel and Twitter at awaydayapparel. Uh, some big things happening for the brand in the coming months. Not even a global can, uh, no global pandemic will stop their growth. Uh, it's only slowed it down slightly. But uh, especially for listeners and viewers of Ace Podcast Nation, we've got a very special and exclusive code that will give you 10% off all orders. Uh, so, all in lowercase, if you enter AA Podcast Nation at the checkout, you'll get 10% off all orders at uh, Away Day Apparel website. Uh, I think they also sell stuff on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that as well. So, um, what I like to do, uh, Luke, is before we get right into the, the questions and the stuff which p- other people have sent in i like to just have my guest tell us really like a little bit about yourself and basically how you got to where you are today, really.
1: Okay. I'm not the best at this, but...
0: <laughs> no, you're, you're all right, man.
1: Yeah. No, I'm Luke Shanks and, um, yeah, I grew up in Northamptonshire and uh, like like most kids, I was just playing football and then um, at the age of 10, I started kickboxing and... Um, I was good at both both the sports, but, um, yeah, I, re- I went to a few trials for the football and I realised it was going to be hard to sort of uh, get to the top in that. But I always wanted to be some sort of sports uh, star. And then, um, yeah, I realised there was a bit of politics involved in the, the team sports, so I thought in fighting this, uh, it don't matter who's got the uh, sort of, with them, you can you can beat the the best guys and call anyone out and uh, sort of the yeah. world's your oysters. So uh, that's how that's how I got into that. But um, yeah, I started in um, Chinese kickboxing actually, and it was a bit similar to MMA because they, they did do takedowns and it, it's a funny style. But seems seems to be um, working a lot for uh, MMA, and um, it's basically a mixture between kickboxing and Uh, tie boxing, but a bit more elusive, so yeah, I I was doing that for so long, but yeah, I realized there was no money in it and um, went to the Senai in 2007 and uh, met Michael Bispin when I I must have been about 12. uh, And I didn't actually, I didn't, the bad thing is, I didn't really know who he was, but I've seen people getting a picture with him and I was getting all these pictures with MMA stars, UFC fighters, other like. Uh, guys like Ernesto Hoost, and I didn't even know who they were, but I'll, I'll sort of get more pictures and autographs and then researching them later. And uh, after sort of watching uh, guys like Bisping I was like, wow, well, there's some real money in this,
0: yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, man, that but the thing is, I think up until maybe the last probably five to ten years, maybe like UFC hadn't really kicked off or like mixed martial arts hadn't kicked off to the extent where like the casual viewer in the street would recognize a lot of fighters, even some of the more famous fighters. I think that has changed slightly over the last few years. I think being honest, I think Conor McGregor kind of changed the game for MMA in terms of the, the like not necessarily the way the overall world perceives it but just the kind of casual viewers who maybe would have watched just the big fights I think a lot more of them now will watch every Saturday whether it's a UFC or a Bellator you know they'll watch all those cards rather than just waiting for the McGregor fight or the you know like the big fight yeah definitely but um, we had a couple of questions about Connor as well, which we'll get to uh, in a bit. Um, so just to kind of follow up, <clears throat> uh, like what you just said about, like just about yourself and stuff. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, quick fire questions. So ten, it's basically 10 questions. And then um, you just basically got to answer with the first, the first answer, which comes to mind. Um, and I'll probably, I'll probably cut this up into like a shorter video as well. Um, so, uh, okay, Ronaldo or Messi? What's that, sorry? Uh, Ronaldo What's or that? Messi?
1: Sorry, it's it's cut out right on the
0: question both times. no, it's no, it's me. Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi? Yep.
1: Not a big football fan, but uh, Ronaldo, I guess.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, John Jones or Daniel Cormier? Uh, Cormier, but yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor or Khabib? Uh, Fighting, Khabib. Okay. Uh, Indie music or hip-hop?
1: Hip-hop, I think.
0: Uh, Eminem or Tupac?
1: Sorry,
0: can you repeat that one? Yeah, Uh, Eminem or Tupac? Uh, Eminem for me. Good shout. Uh, What else we got? Who's the biggest joker in your team?
1: Uh, Callum Bundy
0: Murray. (laughs) Mm. I'm probably second. Ah, there you go. Uh, I lost my place. The Beatles or Oasis? Uh, I'm going to Good man, good man.
1: to get some hate for that
0: one. Yeah, trust me, I know what that's about because I don't like the Beatles, whereas I'm really into that type of music, and uh, I get a lot of grief, <laughs> grief for it because I really don't like the Beatles at all. But there we go. <laughs> and uh, to finish three questions to finish off, then uh, best British fighter of all time, boxing or MMA. Ooh, that's
1: a tough one. Um well for me, I'll, I'm going bispin.
0: But yeah. Good no, I'll, stick, I'll stick with that one. Yeah. Good show. Uh, okay, uh, greatest TV show of all time. Uh, so hard break guys. Bad, bad. Yeah. Great shout. Great shout. Uh greatest TV uh, sorry, greatest film of all time.
1: Um, oh, I watched it the other day, it's an old one hmm. uh, I think it's called Bad Bad Romance, Brad, Brad Pitt have been watching Perfect. that many, I'm forgetting what I've been watching I'm sure it's Bad yeah. Romance It's just resurfaced on Netflix ah, uh, Okay. An 80s movie, I watched it when I was a kid and I didn't really understand it, but I watched it again last week and yeah, I'm going with that one
0: you shout that I haven't heard that one before. Like I always add that question on at the end. Because it, what it does is it just gives people an idea of like, you know, your interests and whatever. And um Yeah. <clears throat> that's you know, breaking bad, obviously that comes in comes up a lot. Um yeah. Bad Romance. So that one has not come up. I always like that when we get oh, is it do you mean true romance true romance?
1: That's the one, yeah. I've true been one. watching that many, I'm going crazy at the minute, but um yeah, I've been binging on that. <laughs> yeah,
0: the that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, true romance. Yeah, cracking film. They the um, the thing is like you're you right. Like I, you work so many different TV series and documentaries and films, and it's just like after a while they all just kind of blend into one, and you forget yeah, which ones yeah. are which. Um so you mentioned um, that you did Chinese. Uh, kickboxing initially, what's the like? What's the kind of main differences between Chinese kickboxing and traditional kickboxing?
1: Um, it's mostly well, there's takedowns involved, and there's a little bit of uh fighting there. And uh, kickboxing sort of only above the waist strikes, uh, with the kicks, so you can't really do the leg kicks or anything like that. And if you watch some clips of it from back in the day, it's just, it really is like MMA, but there was no sort of, or not much ground knowledge. uh, Yeah. But yeah, the the style is very much like MMA, the way they're striking and moving around because of the takedown threat. Kind of like samba, I guess, but
0: that was a bit more closer to MMA back in the day. Yeah, with um, on the Danny Patton show, we've been doing because obviously there's no current uh, events in boxing or MMA to discuss and to to review each week. So we've last couple of weeks we've gone back. We're doing we started at UFC one basically, and then going through each one. I think ne- this coming Sunday we we're recording UFC three, and then we're also doing like mm. a classic uh, classic boxing or MMA fight as well. So. Last week we did um, we did UFC two and Royla Gracie versus uh, Sakuraba from Pride eight. It's just really 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 so I find it so interesting to watch because it's been so many years since I've watched them, but like yeah. the, the the standard of and then the techniques in like UFC one and two compared to today. Like in UFC one, uh, Royce Gracie wins the whole tournament, and he doesn't actually throw a punch other than a couple of kind of like rib strikes in the grapple on the floor. Um, And I, like, I watched it and I just thought, "Geez, all these fighters would get absolutely destroyed versus fighters in today's MMA because you've got to be like an all-round fighter, you know, to get anywhere in Cage Warriors, Bellator." you know ufc wherever if you haven't got an all-round game you always you know you're always going to have a ceiling in terms of where where you can get to simply because Definitely. all the best fighters can do a bit of everything can they yeah that's it
1: i think um, any of the top fighters they should be able to compete and do well in any of the individual sports now really whether it be judo wrestling Boxing, whatever they're doing, they should they should be at least a professional level in every every sport. I think um, just to, just to be the best because you can't be one dimensional anymore. Not even the best guys can do that.
0: No, you get caught out. You get caught out. Um, and I think, like, what would you say? You is the strongest part of your game.
1: Um, yeah, I think it is the wrestling because. When I I first, the first couple years when I I started competing, I was, I'd I'd lose a few decisions on um, just getting held down and not not being able to get up uh, and then playing off my back because I can't get up and uh, made me really focus on the wrestling. And um, yeah, luckily, BST, um, I was at other gyms before, but BST had got the solid wrestling pedigree. So um, yeah, when I was there, I really. Really, um, got that good wrestling uh, on the cage, and then the top pressure, and uh, yeah, I still, I still believe wrestling is the number one.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like obviously, I speak to Danny every week, obviously with the show. But like, and um, when I told him a few weeks back that I'd contacted you about coming on the show and stuff, and we were going to do it at some point, like he spoke so, uh, so very highly of you. Um, you know, not just as a fighter, but as a person, and that. Um, and sometimes, um, one, one of the questions which I've was kind of for later, but it fits in by here, so I'll ask it now. Um, someone sent in asking why you left BST simply because, um, you know, sometimes when fighters leave gyms, it's because of you know they're falling out or something. That clearly doesn't seem to be the case because you both speak so highly of each other so um john was asking you know why you end why you did leave
1: yeah no um yeah that's it i was always going to uh leave on good terms i mean it, any coach uh yeah, it's it's sad to see when uh they have big disputes and they leave places but um no I, I just um, I needed to get better at my striking, and um, there is great striking coaches at, at BST, but they, they were just sort of uh, busy with their their guys. Like J, JB's great, Lee's great in the boxing. Danny's more so much teaching. He teaches one day a week striking, but um, he's mostly doing the jujitsu and because he got tied up in doing all the all the gi stuff now as well as the wrestling and normal MMA so yeah I needed to, to work on my striking and uh, I planned on going to Thailand but then uh, yeah went for that test a week in Scotland and uh, James there uh, was uh, well once once I went on the pads with him I, I knew he had sort of a, a recipe on the feet that I could really work on and they're, they're great all round, but yeah i He's putting all the time into me that I need to, to get to the top. So, um, yeah, even if he was on Mars, I'd still be hmm. sort of trying to get there to train with him now. Because, um, yes, sometimes it's not so fun in, in Scotland in the winter.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, it's not.
1: It's not and cold. It's not exactly living the dream some days when you're just stuck inside. But um, it, it's where I need to be to to get to the top, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah and I think like I personally I think there's nothing wrong with um and I in fact I'd say it's a good thing to to train with lots of different gyms and coaches because obviously all coaches teach differently all coaches train in their own ways and I think yeah. the more variety you can have in your game once you've got you know like a good standing to a level that like you know like you've Or you know, obviously got already. I think by going with different coaches and learning different ways to to fight, to train, to look after yourself, whatever it may be, you know, that's only going to be a good thing. Definitely,
1: yeah. If you if you look at boxing, um, there's a lot more money in boxing everywhere. Really, people are saying MMA is catching up, but it's nowhere near the same but they, they've got the money to bring coaches in bring sparring partners in and uh they can bring the camp to them but uh there's no money even even at my level in MMA so I, I can't bring coaches in so um yeah I, I had to I had to sail the ship but um yeah in the ideal world I'd bring bring up the best striking coach in be, be in my hometown but uh, that, that's just not the case in MMA and um yeah, it's been good. I I got to travel around and uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy in Edinburgh anyway. So it's worked out good. But yeah, if you look at guys like Tyson Fury, he's just he he had a winning combination. He's changed his camp and done even better. He changed the coach and uh, yeah, different coaches have got different skills for you. And um, I still kept everything Danny's taught me and um, I'll always sort of. Uh, Preach and uh, praise Danny as well, because um, yeah, I definitely haven't forgot where I've came from.
0: Edinburgh is really nice, uh, really nice place as well. It's one of my favourite places in Scotland. I um, I love it. Um, so obviously the you it's a mad time in MMA for uh, for just for for British fighters because there's so so many. Real quality fighters scattered around all the you know the main the big promotions. Um, but just before I do go into that, I just wanted to circle back to something which you said about um like boxing and uh, the pay disparity between MMA and boxing. It's an interesting conversation because when I spoke to Paddy um, Pimblet, he you know, he, it might surprise you to know that he was very vocal, but um, he you know, he had plenty to say. And he said, like, you know, the, 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 the lowest kind of level of professional boxers who get on the TV cards will get paid so much more money than the equivalent of, a, you know, like a, the bottom of a UFC card or the bottom of a Cage Warriors card. When in reality, like, don't get me wrong, I got the utmost respect for boxers. I've had loads of boxers on the show. I got friends who are boxers. Um, I'm not, by any means... Disparaging what they do, but when you look at the two sports next to each other, um, there's a lot more danger in MMA because you've got to look after, you know, you've got to look out for head kicks and leg kicks and, you know, chokes and all sorts. So when you are lining up against each other, and I would argue that it's also MMA is generally more exciting because of those same reasons. Really, you. MMA should probably those fighters should be getting paid more than perhaps the boxers should, but boxers have also got probably you know a fifty-year head start in terms of uh, mainstream viewing and casual viewers and this sort of thing. I don't know what you think about that, but
1: yeah, definitely. I was actually explaining that to uh, one of my friends uh, that's not so much. Uh, into the MMA, so I didn't really understand. But, um, yeah, it was like, um, I'm, I'm fine. Say, so, so, okay, there's Bellator, the American promotions, Bellator and the UFC, they're, they're coming over here, So I've classed them as the top two, but then I'm in the third biggest promotion, trying to get to them two promotions. But, um, yeah, in a, if it was the third biggest um, world title belt that I'm going for in boxing, I'd probably be getting 100 grand for that fight. And, uh, yeah, yeah with, with a win for me, like if I get a spectacular TK, you're looking at 1500 quid for like three months off work. That That's like with the win bonus grand and then the 500, where you, you yeah, know I mean, it's fighting the like night You're gonna have to work. Yeah, that's it. And, um, yeah, believe me, I think about boxing every day because uh, I've got, <laughs> got a hard, hard right hand, left hand, and, um, uh, yeah, I know I could do well there and earn more money, but my passion's in MMA, so I'm I'm sticking there. But
0: yeah, maybe should 10%. maybe maybe you should do a Conor McGregor and do both. <laughs> but um yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I think sometimes as well is um, the, maybe the viewing public as well don't realise that um, a lot of fighters, particularly. The ones who haven't got to the UFC or Bellator yet. A lot of them have to work um, you know, in a day job to support their camps and their you know and their training and their equipment and what and travel and things like this. So what they don't understand is when you go into a fight camp, it's not just uh you know the day in, day out training of fight camp and weight cutting and this sort of thing. It's also the work you're missing, uh, you know in terms of earning your money and whatever it may be like obviously I don't know what your situation is in regards to that but I'm talking general fighters a lot of fighters have to work a day job to support the rest of it
1: yeah that's it I I was like before I moved up here I I had a comfortable plumbing job and then I I was halfway through a gas course and I just thought this is slowing my progression down so um, I left the had a little bit of savings and, and um, moved away while well, I could really. But yeah, I've just been working part time in, in a nightclub doing uh, security work. And uh, there's one, one of the other UFC fighters, Danny Henry, he, he sorted me out with some work. And uh, I, I was saying to him, a lot of the guys at BST as well are doing security. Um, it works well for MMA fighters because you can train in the morning, go sleep in the daytime and then train at night. But um and then obviously after you've trained at nine, you go into the nightclubs for 10 and doing, doing your security shift till three thirty in the morning, waking up, you're getting like split sleep, uh, shifts. But yeah, for the, for the last one, cause it was the the big one, the cage warriors world title. I quit, um, work for, I think it was 10 weeks in the end. So I took 10 weeks off and then, uh, borrowed some money off, uh, my grandparents, bless them. And, uh, I was planning on, um, obviously earning that and the win bonus and a few sponsors were going to pay me for the, uh, win or not. I was just going to break even really over that um, three months, but now I'm like, uh, left, uh, really out of pocket. I mean, Cage War is paying me half my show money, so I've got, um uh, 500, which I'm grateful about, but I'm two and a half down, uh. Yeah, oh, I'll <laughs> I it's need that. I need to get back um, working ASAP. And, yeah, with this COVID stuff, I'm really down at the minute. But um, yeah, I've got good family around, so I'm not too sour. But we'll get it back someday.
0: So yeah, you know, we'll get we'll get to the fight now. Yeah. Um, but obviously, what I would say as well is obviously, set, like you say you've got good family around. You were able to borrow some money from your grandparents. Not all fighters have that, and not all fighters are in the position to do that. So yeah. It could be very and that's the and I think that's why like I saw this last week, Dana White um and to a lesser extent, Graham Boylan have taken a lot of criticism from some circles for you know trying desperately to get a UFC cards and Cage Warriors cards on despite the lockdown. But a big reason, yeah. probably the main reason that they're trying to do that it's because they know that all the fighters who they're responsible for or under contract with them, Mm. not only are they desperate to fight, but they're not making any money because they're a lot, like you say, a lot of them work in security or things like this to, you know, to top up their, to pay their bills. So they're not fighting and they're not doing their day jobs. Makes it very difficult then to, to pay your mortgage or pay your bills and, is you know, I know there's a lot of people around, you know, the world and the UK, you know, everyone's in the same boat to a certain extent. But I think that is why Dana White was trying so desperately to get some sort of cards on to get yeah. these fighters fighting.
1: Yeah, I've seen a few of them. Even the uh the lower level guys in well lower up the roster in the UFC. They they were moaning about their just getting their payday, but that. I think even the lower side, the show money is ten grand. So I'm thinking, oh, what can you be sour about? You've just yeah. uh, done a bit of a wake up for ten grand, and I've done it for like uh, minus two and a half grand. Uh, yeah. So I, obviously, I, I'm I, feeling for them too, but I'm, I'm I'm at the bottom of the scale and still high level, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So obviously, just before or oh, the last uh, kind of big. MMA show which was on was Cage Warriors uh, I forget what it was 113 wasn't it um, yeah so Cage Warriors 113 which uh, if you want to know how it went you can go back to youtube.com slash podcast nation look at the Danny Batten show we, we broke it all down and we discussed it all um, so I urge you to go and do that and I'll put a link somewhere by here by here somewhere maybe above Luke's head I don't know somewhere by there um, but obviously you were lined up for the biggest fight of your career for that card to fight for a title. And then I believe, like, obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't um, all the French fighters off that card came over and they basically got sent home at customs?
1: Yeah, I thought that was the case. But one French fighter did fight. Another one, his other opponent uh, pulled out, so... The French guys were getting over, but, yeah, my guy got stopped just before. And, um, yeah, I think it was more the case of, like, the corner team because they, they could be potentially stuck out there for, for a month. And if there's three guys like that leaving their families and they've, they've all got kids, it, it's just um, – it's not like they're, they're going to be making any money. Uh, it's just yeah, the same as, as my coach. I, I wouldn't let him do that because – they're they're not making any money helping you out uh, and to be stuck somewhere for a month without your family. It's just, it's, it's not worth it. We'll we'll get it rescheduled, but um, yeah, on my side it's pretty gutting because I would have definitely uh, went out there, I would have done anything to get that fight
0: on the road, but um, yeah. And the other thing I suppose for those guys, uh, you know, on the French team teams was, it's not just being over here and being stuck and away from your families and that side of it, but also because they don't live here, they'd have had to pay for some sort of accommodation to stay here whilst they're, you know, whilst yeah. before they can go back and they weren't earning any money. And then it's like a never ending thing, isn't it? So I, I, I do understand mm-hmm. it must've been incredibly frustrating for you. Um, Johnny wish asked, um, how, uh, he says, Who did you want to fight next? uh, And how hard has it been to deal with your big title fight being pulled?
1: Um, Yeah, obviously I want the title and then I just want to keep putting people away. Uh, I don't just want to get wins. I want to really, really knock people out because that's what people want to see. And also me. So, yeah, I just want to get some vicious uh, knockouts
0: get that video highlight reel going definitely how is it what's it been like dealing with that obviously because you were you know you went through your camp you were and it got pulled. i think it was pulled like the week of the fight as well so it was you know it was close to the
1: yeah it was was actually two days before the weigh-in i knew i knew it was close
0: yeah oh yeah, so, I had no idea
1: because I, I messaged them a, a day before and they're like, no, they're definitely coming over. It's definitely on. So, um, yeah, I, I had no idea it was going to be pulled because obviously the card was going ahead.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So, so yeah, it was, it was hard to deal with that. But I, I, obviously I, I was, wasn't was naive. I knew there was sort of a 50-50 chance he could get pulled. So, yeah, it was heartbreaking, but it it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I suppose we're sat completely out of your hands and there's nothing you can do. Um, did you watch the card? Uh, you know, did you watch the Cage Warriors show or was it a bit sore to watch? Yeah, yeah.
1: It was yeah, a no, good, good was, show, man. I was at, definitely, yeah. I was, at, I was at home on my uh, sofa, s- sat alone like uh, in Edinburgh thinking, oh man, this isolation, oh, I've got to go now. So I am sat there with my popcorn watching the... The show I should have been on, and yeah. then uh, yeah. I seen Mason Jones get the belt. That was that was a good one. But it, inside, I was like, oh man, that should have been me too. But um, no, that that prompted me to move back uh, down for, for the lockdown. And uh, yeah, I'm at my mum's place now. So I caught up with my mum because the last time I seen her was actually at my um, uh, at the Menga fight. Okay. So about seven months ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm not much money up there, so I haven't been traveling back much sadly. Because, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be dropping by now and then, but it's hard, hard money yeah. wise.
0: Um, one fight which stuck out for me watching it, um, and obviously that me and Danny discussed it was the Armor Singer fight. Um, he really impressed me, uh, because I'd seen him fight before and never been massively, you know, not I wouldn't say like I thought he was dreadful or anything but i was never massively like oh my god um and i watched him on that cage warriors fight and i was like wow he was clinical in everything he did he was very impressive but of course did you fight him or his brother
1: no i fought him yeah um it was a weird one though i I didn't want to fight that fight and i had a a dodgy manager at the time okay i was fighting out BST, but yeah, I had this dodgy manager, and I, I'd already done my pro debut in Scotland, I've been on the Krispy Kreme and then uh, it's like, oh, you're fighting you're still fighting for this amateur title I'm like, I don't want to fight amateur I just want a pro fight yeah. it's like, oh, you've got it in this time and now, uh, I went back to the gym like two days out, and I was like, oh, what the hell, oh man, I'll just do it anyway, and uh, yeah, I was like uh, throwing up before the fight, oh, I wasn't fit or anything, and now uh, yeah, I wasn't taking the whole thing too, too serious, really, because, uh, my body had fell apart after that last one, but I went in there and put up a scrap, but, yeah, he, he managed to snake a decision on me, but, yeah, I, I was impressed with Amazinger, and he is a good fighter, he's definitely, sort of, um, top 10 in the UK, but he's not, sort of, um, the best yet, he, he might be one day, but definitely not now, and, um, yeah, I'd seen, seen Bond fight before and I'd actually done a little bit of sparring with him and Danny's always on about me about the psychology, he's so smart with that stuff and um, he sort of educated me on like the telltale signs of people quitting etc and uh, I knew from watching Jake Bond fight in the past it, is it, when, it when he gets a bit of uh, adversity he crumbles and that's exactly what happened, I, I knew he'd get caught and then crumble and uh, yeah, that's what separates some of the guys from from the very top.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, with Armazinger, I was impressed with the the time before I'd seen him fight and I thought he was all right. This time around, I thought he was very clinical, very powerful. He, he impressed me, i got to be honest. But like you say, as soon as he tags Jake Bond, he just crumbled completely. He yeah. just psychologically didn't. You know, didn't want it, and I, I get that. That's you know, I'm not a fighter. That's easy for me to say. And I'm not. I don't want to be disrespectful or criticize him. But watching it, that's what it looked like. Um, yeah, he definitely. He, he didn't look comfortable
1: after he, he took a few shots, and it was just not a, only a matter of time. But yeah, fair credit to Amazinger. He did do it in a devastating uh, way. But when the guys sort of quit, the guys quit. It's going. It's yeah. always going to look brutal. He yeah, was just Waiting so. for the referee to jump in, I think. But um, yeah, no, it's a good fight to watch. And uh, yeah, I like the um, the other flyweight fight on there. Hignett, I thought as well. He, he yeah. that was quite an entertaining fight. That was a bit crazy. Did you watch that
0: one? I did. yeah, I watched that. We watched. Yeah, we, uh, we were gonna do like a like a watch along live. But yeah. um, it was my son's birthday, so we I couldn't end up doing it. And I think oh, then that was right. Then the gym's closed. Because I we would rearrange. We were going to do a watch along on the Friday, so me and Danny were going to like do a show like this, but watch it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then the, obviously that day the gyms all got closed and everything got put on lockdown, so Danny had to sort out the BST gym and stuff, and you know explain yeah. to all the customers and all the fighters what was happening. It's so nice, we, yeah, so we couldn't do it in the end, which was disappointing. But once there's some fights up and running, we're going to do some some live watch-along podcasts, because I think they could be quite fun. Um, Okay, let's find you some tricky questions. Let's have a look. Um, Okay, so JD asks, who's the biggest prick you've met in the fight game so far? Who's the biggest prick? Prick. Oh,
1: prick? What, in fighting or in general? Yeah,
0: just, just someone you've met along the way, whether it's another fighter or a dodgy manager yeah. or whatever it may be oh, man this is a tough one because I, I don't like putting out names of these no, guys no I know of course
1: then you then you sort of advertise them you know what I mean yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah probably the, I'm going to fight him in the future for sure and uh, yeah it's, an, it's another there's not many of us flyweights out there man so I'll probably be defending the belt against him and I'll, I really want to knock that guy out so yeah
0: Okay, so I'll I'll look out for that one then.
1: Not not for Dean, but you can't really hate for Dean. I I, I just want to knock him out because he's got the belt.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. So I'll I'll look out for that one and see if I can work out who it is when you defend the belt. Yeah. Uh, Who else we got? Uh, What else we got? Is there any? Is there any? similar question really but is there any fighters that you don't really get on with and why
1: uh not really no there, there's it's within in gyms you you got a few guys in training uh, like life or death that they, they won't want to tap they're super competitive so sort all sort of, sort of uh, scream or injure rather than tapping out so I guess yeah. um when you meet the super competitive uh, probably probably them kind of guys cause, um but then mo- most of the veterans at the gym, like uh Stevie and Danny in, in the u f c if if you ever get them guys um they they'll just uh be humble like me, you know what I mean it's like yeah, fair yeah. enough you caught me next one it's just training, but yeah some guys are life or death so uh, they're the, they're the kind of guys that are. Kind of, you're a bit sketchy around in training because you're going to get injured if you go if you if you beat them sometimes, so sometimes yeah. it's not worth it, them guys for sure.
0: Okay, uh, what else we got? Would you fight a teammate if the circumstances arose for a big opportunity?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually a sport to me, and it, if someone wants to fight me, it's like uh, they think they can beat me, so i will definitely um. Yeah, if if someone if someone said they wanted to fight me, I'd take it as an insult. So I'll definitely fight a teammate and then be friends afterwards because I'm yeah. I'm friends with quite a few people I've fought in the past. It's just a sport to me, but
0: yeah, that's it. That's interesting. That is because that question has popped up a couple of times with different fighters, and there's always a different answer. Some some have said no, they wouldn't. Some have said yeah, they would if you know if the circumstances were right. And it's it's a personal personal kind of choice, I suppose, isn't it? Um, and if you, like you say, you, you view it as a sport, if it was any other sport, you would play against your teammate or your friends yeah. and then you'd you'd give it your all and then you'd play, you know, you'd shake hands afterwards and go yeah, grab a beer yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, that's the weird thing with
0: fighting. Although you're on a team and, and you love each other,
1: you, you're fighting at the end of the day and uh, it, it's a solo sport when it comes down to that bit and uh if you think you're the best in the world like I do you're saying you already saying you're better than everyone else your weight class yeah in the gym essentially or or anywhere so you've already said that so you might as well back it up uh, but yeah some people could think that's sort of a dick move saying that but that's what i believe
0: <laughs> yeah man it's fair enough um if you could pick a fighter from past or present um, to be your final fight of your career, like your retirement fight, uh, who would it be? Um,
1: well, in my weight class... Um, yeah, I suppose. Uh, that's a tough one, man. Because um, all, my, all my sort of idols are not in my weight class.
0: Well, right, let's right, let's open it up to kind of Weight yeah. classes around yours as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to fight any of the guys I've, I've looked up to. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to fight Mike Tyson or, or Bispin But um, uh, I suppose because Demetrius Johnson was the kingpin, I'd, I'd probably go go for him. But yeah, yeah what did it, you come?
0: Sorry, yeah, him and his problem. Sorry, that's that's all right. Um, what did you think of him leaving the UFC and going to ONE? I was because uh, it really, you know, it's obviously an interesting uh, yeah. decision and stuff. Because UFC is the biggest company in the world, ONE is a relatively, you know, in terms of yeah. kind of the US and the UK, is relatively unknown, or at least it was at the time. And what did you make of that?
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah, we'll never really uh, know how good um, Demetrius Johnson really was because the rest of the division was so weak back in the day. But now there's a few real serious killers. But um, the thing I got from it, I, I watched an interview with him uh, about three months afterwards when he'd gone to one, and he was saying he had some sort of intestine problems, so he couldn't stay very heavy. Okay. And uh I think I think he said he was walking around about sixty two instead of sixty five, like so that's kilograms, yeah, yeah. Compared to all the other guys, and uh, so Hudo being a big guy, uh, he he was going to be too small for him um, after doing that. And uh, I think he knew So Hudo one day was going to beat him anyway, because um, of obviously the wrestling pedigree and just being a super athlete. So um, it, it was a good move for him to go away, but. I think I think he didn't really want to defend it that last time because of this problem he had with his weight and um, so Hudo being so big, he, he, it was inevitable he was going to beat him. But I think I think he's gone over there and the guy the guys is fighting a smaller flyweight, so he's doing a lot better still. Um, if he if he's still struggling with that intestine problem, he, he was saying he couldn't could barely eat or anything like that, and um, he was staying really light. And if you look at him now, he is a lot smaller than he was. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's good, good business move, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, it's weird because I think I certainly got the impression from listening to him on a couple of podcasts and some other flyweights that maybe they felt like Dana White didn't really fancy the flyweight division. But then once Demetrius Johnson left, they suddenly yeah. found a load of flyweights who were pretty good and the division looked quite strong. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you definitely yeah. don't know what you make from that. Would you, um, yeah. like say, hypothet- hypothetically, if the UFC, when they do do this UFC London card, if they were struggling yeah. for fighters and they offered you a fight with Sahudo, would you take it? Yeah,
1: for sure, man. Um. Yeah, I think what they're, what they're missing over there is is just the guy that can knock people out. But now that Brazilian guy's come onto the scene and took the belt, uh, he, he can do the knockout. So he, he's going to oh, be yeah. quite a big name in the future. It's just like if you look at boxing, even the guys that beat Tyson, uh, they, they only cared about Tyson. They wanted to see brutal knockouts. Yeah, and no. uh, everyone's the same. We all want to see it. So um, yeah, until someone like me comes along and really put people out, and that's... I think it's what's his name for me no it's not for me
0: uh yeah,
1: for me possibly yeah, it's one of them two brazilian guys that are at the top when he got that brutal knockout that's what people want to see so i was actually i was surprised and uh, i really enjoyed that fight
0: yeah there's been some amazing uh ufc flyweight fights recently um uh, oh, is it Fig- Figueredo? Figueredo. Oh, Figueredo. Figueroa. He's he's the one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. He's um. Yeah, there's a couple in that flyweight division of the the UFC, which uh, you yeah, know, obviously, looking good. Um yeah. I do a podcast with. Um, I don't know if you would know him. He's uh, his name's Barry Phillips. He's been um, an MMA medic for uh, quite a lot of Cage Warrior shows. Not so much recently, but kind of over the yeah. past couple of years. Um, and I do a regular podcast with him. comes out every Friday for everyone who wants to see it. It is for over 18s, though, because it contains a lot of swearing um, and uh, adult content. But, uh, yeah, check that out. Um, yeah. But we were talking on this week's show, which actually came out today, um, about the potential if Cage Warriors or UFC can put a card out Like, any fighters now in this lockdown who are not doing everything which they can to stay in shape and be prepared are missing a trick because if Cage Warriors suddenly got a card in two weeks and they say, right, who can fight? If you're not in shape or you're not ready, then you could potentially miss out on, like, a huge fight. Like, obviously, you're in line for a title shot. But then if UFC when UFC put on a card, Say they decide they find a way to put on a card in UFC London or Manchester and they're struggling for fighters, someone like yourself who's in a title pitcher, they're the guys who they're gonna look to bring in on those kind of UFC UK cards. So you need I think yeah. all all fighters now in this lockdown should be doing everything they can to stay sharp and fit because you just don't know when that next opportunity is gonna come. And what it means is like if if you can get on a UFC UK card, for instance, because someone pulls out or you know, whatever that something happens and there's they need a couple of fighters, and then you go on there and you for lack of a better term, go and murder someone in fifteen seconds with a spectacular KO, you know, that that, that one opportunity could change your whole career and life very quickly.
1: Yeah, definitely. Although, yeah, in my head, that's going to happen anyway, whether it be uh, now or in the future, because, um, yeah, I know I can put them all away now. And, uh... Yeah,
0: yeah, of course. But obviously, well, what I mean more specifically is, like, obviously it could happen very quickly. If, Ideally, yeah. yeah. You know, especially if, like, a, a UFC or a Bellator or someone has fighters pull out they're going to look to cage warriors to say, right, if you've got any fighters, you know, who've got a, who've got a, you know, good enough. And and then if you impress on in that opportunity, then the sky's the limit. Um, Yeah. The only shame is um, even in
1: Europe, well, I guess there's a few Russian flyweights, but any, anywhere else like Europeans, uh, I, I don't even think there's any flyweights apart from a few, few Russians in Europe. So there's, on the Dublin card, there won't be a UFC fight, probably not anyway, because it will be yeah. Americans. And then uh, the same on the UK card. So it's kind of a, a no-good situation unless I'm going to bantamweight, which which I wouldn't mind. But um, obviously, I want, I want to be bulking up and then uh, staying there permanently if there's no sort of flyweight opportunities, which I could easily do as well. It's not out of the picture. But, yeah, that, that's the problem with flyweight. That's, there's not enough guys, and um, especially in the UFC, to 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 be like these opportunities here, there, and everywhere. So you have got to really make a statement and uh, keep knocking people out, so people want to see the division. Um, yeah, it is falling apart, sadly.
0: Yeah, flyweights is um, it's so they're so are so spectacular to watch, Um, you know, which is the shame yeah. of it all that there's not more flyweight around to you know to make the division strong and then like you said the mm. ufc flyweight division is obviously looking very strong at the moment um well yeah a little bit
1: the top guys the rest yeah. of, the rest of the divisions a bit uh, out of the water I'm not, I'm not could um if they put me in there i know i'd be in the top 10 instantly where in any other division that's going to be kind of impossible yeah, sadly, it's a bit of a weak division, but um, yeah, that's the problem. A few, a lot of these guys, they don't even have the power to knock people out and put them, put them to sleep. And when you're one of them guys that can do that, there's only a few, uh, even in in the UFC, when you get to the highest level, because the guys have got good chins, and uh, there's only a few guys that can be able to do this. And they're they're the only guys that I'd be scared to fight. Anyway, I don't think there's anyone in. Uh, the UK or the Cage Warriors division could do that to me. So,
0: is um, yeah. so. In your opinion, um, outside of yourself, who do you think the best three flyweights are in Europe?
1: Honestly, um, I don't know. There's like ten. There, there's about if you look at the topology, there's about ten guys, and they've not fought each other, so so no one really knows. So,
0: all right, okay.
1: What but about the, in the world? In the, yeah, so so, um, yeah, that's the thing, Benavidez. If you, if you break him down, it's not that sort of technical, but he's definitely num, number three. And then and then you're looking at sahudo and then um, the the new guy, Formiga. So them guys and uh, number four is that. Sorry, Figueroa is number one. Yeah, or number two. That Formiga is number four, and then uh, after that, it's just a bit weak. I think I could. There's that guy from New Zealand. Uh, I can't remember his name, but um, he, he's not that great. But he's still in the top ten. The division is just weak, so you need to be a real entertainer and start starching people to to keep the division. I think because it is a shame, but it, it is what it is. It's not it's not as good as the other divisions. And, Do you um, think
0: um, so? You'd fancy your chances um, against any of those fighters? Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: especially, I mean, I could, I could roll in there. Anyone from uh, in the, in the division uh, and get a win easily. The top five, I mean, I'm probably being honest. Maybe, I, I mean, I could probably knock knock them all out, but. Um, you can't be sure; it's like a 50-50. So, I'd probably want another year for them guys. Being honest, but I mean, I think I could go in there and start any of them. But um, if if you don't get the the knockout guys like Cahuedo with the wrestling, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So, um, yeah, I think I think I'm a year off uh, that sort of level. But honestly, I, after I was about to roll through for, for Dean and a, another guy, I know I was going to be in the UFC. You just need two. Yeah. I need two brutal knockouts, and I would have been there. And uh, yeah, I know I can do that. It's just a matter of uh, when now.
0: Yeah, it's just been delayed rather than you know stopped. Um, so you, I know you said there you'd you'd prefer a year before you would take on you know those top sort of two or three in the UFC if you got offered those fights and they said right you could fight on a ufc mm-hmm. card in you know a month but it's got to be against one of those top 3 would you take the fight oh, of course yeah I, I believe i could beat him for sure it's just um
1: like i said it's a 50-50 and i, I don't like 50-50s I'd, I'd wanna, <laughs> yeah. i i'd want i'd want it to be a uh, 100% you know that, yeah, that you're going to but um Yeah, of course, I I believe I can beat any of them, and uh, yeah, I've got some uh, big confidence now, I mean, I'm training with uh, UFC lightweights, Stevie Ray and guys like that, and um, yeah, if you can take a shot off these guys and uh, survive and hang in there with them guys, uh, other flyweights, it's almost too easy now.
0: Yeah. Um, right, okay, then. Uh, just to finish off, then, let's finish off with the rest of these uh, questions which people have sent in. Uh, do you get nervous before fights?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it'd be a dangerous thing if if you weren't nervous. And um,
0: yeah, yeah. How do how do you how do you, um, how do you deal with those nerves? Do you have like a su- superstitions or fight day routines or anything like that? No, nah, it's just the experience. You you know you're gonna get all the adrenaline and the nerves.
1: Um, you just you just gotta enjoy it, I guess, because because there's gonna be there's always gonna be um, that sort of scared feeling on, on your mind when you walk into the cage, and uh, that's what makes you perform that adrenaline. And uh, yeah. If you, I've been reading all like today. I was on I was on Mike Tyson's book, reading that again, and he he was talking about uh, that Cus Delamato guy. Uh, talking about the deer when it's scared, it will jump fifteen feet, but under under adrenaline, and when it when it's about a it can jump forty feet just pure, pure adrenaline. And that's the same on the night in the fight when you can punch, you can all that's all that sort of. Uh, Adrenaline can do great things. So if you haven't got that, you, you're not going to do uh, no. great if you're just not scared in the fight.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, can. yeah. I could see that definitely. Do you um, what sort of music do you listen to?
1: Uh, it's, it varies. Um, literally, I've got a playlist of all mixed up songs. So it's anything from like rock, country music, uh, hip hop, R and B. Just, just a mixture. I think it's yeah. I get bored listening to the same genre over and over again. But um, yeah, it's good to mix it up. I do like Eminem from childhood to now. He's sort of the main guy, but there, there's so many other artists and rock bands and everything that I'm listening to as well.
0: Yeah, I'm quite. I'm quite similar to that. I I listen to like a bit of everything, and I get bored if I listen to too much of the same sort of stuff um and i discovered recently i discovered welsh grime which i hadn't heard before um and there was i found like a load of load of like um grime tunes which i really liked and they're made by like artists artists like around where i live and stuff which was that was really surprising to me because yeah it was cool though. but yeah i listen to anything i enjoy it do you um you use like listen to certain music before fights, or is it just still
1: a bit um, of everything? On the night, I don't tend to listen to music and put my headphones on. And I'm normally um sort of just talking with my team and keeping it all real because I, you see, some guys they put on the headphones and get all scared in their own thoughts, or, or you can just uh, be around the people you're about to go into the fight with. And uh, just just act as normal as possible, you know, because I've yeah. seen it too many times in uh, amateur when you're in the corner with someone uh, that's freaking out next to you, who's about to fight before you, and they've got their headphones on and uh, they're prancing around the dressing room, and you're thinking, man, you, you're letting these nerves get the better of you. You look petrified over there, so I try and keep it as cool cool as I can, and just think about uh, what I'm going to do to the guy, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like you just chat into the the people who've got you to like helped you get to where you are and got you through fight camp and stuff like that. I can see the the benefits to it. Um, uh, Peaches asks, who's the most famous person in your phone contacts?
1: I haven't got anyone, you know, I haven't even got Stevie's number. <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, that well, S- Stevie Ray's the most well-known that I'm speaking to most days. But yeah, I haven't even got his number. Don't even know <laughs> if he likes me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he does a bit.
0: <laughs> she, um, no, she always asks that question to every single guest. I think she just nosy or something. I don't know. She, but she always. Yeah. It. Um, do you have any? Is there like a biggest regret from your career so far? Some, or something you regretting
1: uh, you yourself uh, not really i mean i know i could have uh been places sooner if you know what i mean
0: but
1: yeah uh, it's all part of your story if, if you're comparing yourself to someone else like uh my mission was to get to the ufc when i was 22 when that was when i was 18 and the sport blew up with the likes of mcgregor and uh the, the level just went up, so it's been a bit, bit harder and it's taken a little long to get there because it's unpredictable, this new sport. And uh, the level's just grown. And, uh, yeah, even... I'll say the division's weak, my division, but still, when I when I started it, there was, like, I, I don't know, probably 70 flyweights in the whole of the UK, pro and amateur. Now, now there's, like, you're looking at thousands, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah, to be at the top of the list is um, really good. But where I wanted to be was the UFC. But um, thinking about it, when I started out as a kid, I uh, see myself in line for a Cage Warriors world title. It was a kind of crazy sport. But when you're taking it one step at a time and uh, not really focusing about the bigger picture, um, it comes around fast, you know. Oh, I'm visualizing the UFC belt, but it seems so far away. But if I'm just uh, sort of taking little steps up, by the time I'm I'm going for it, I'll I'll be almost looking past it. That's yeah. that's the crazy thing. Yeah, you got it. People get disheartened when they uh, see the see the guys at the top. You know, when you're starting out, I did it as well. Everyone's doing it. You know, yeah, you can I think imagine it well. can't you?
0: Yeah, I can. I can. I I think as well. Sometimes you have gotta like, um, like wake up and smell the coffee. Is like that famous phrase, phrase, isn't it? But like the way I look at it is like sometimes you need to take in like what's around you day to day. So like you know you've got a title fight coming up as soon as possibly can be put on. You've got like a Cage Warriors title fight. So it's about you know, and I'm going to say when you win that title. It's about taking that in as well, and taking in the fact that you're the champion, and then focusing on defending it, and then you know then you move on mm-hmm. to the UFC, and sometimes people, not just you, like you, just or even just fighters, but people are so focused on where they want to get to that they forget to enjoy like what they what they've already achieved today. If that makes sense. Yeah, actually, yeah,
1: I've just thought of a fine example of that. I was watching, um, uh, I was at the Bellator London and uh, Pietro Menga, who I fought in my my last fight, he he was fighting Spencer Hewitt. And um, I remember it was like a 30 second first punch of the fight, knockout. It might have even Mm. been less time than that. And it was just brutal and I was thinking, oh man, I, I wouldn't want to fight that guy. Like I got chills in the in the stands thinking, I won't want to go up against that guy. And then uh fast forward like three or four years and then I'm actually knocking him out. So yeah. That's how that's how crazy it gets. But yeah, at the time I was like, I wouldn't even want like ten grand to step in there with that guy. He, mm-hmm. he looks like a savage. And uh yeah, yeah I think he took his best shot in the fight too, so yeah, it's funny how, funny how um, if you look too far, it can be a, a bad thing as well, where if you just yeah, take definitely. it one step at a time, you can sort of fly through the rankings.
0: Oh, yeah. And um, What's the best moment in your career so far?
1: Yeah, definitely the last one. Like I say, just from getting chills in the stand, watching that guy to then finishing him, that was just uh, massive, you know, because I, I was... um. I've never been scared of a guy I've fought because I've never thought like, I can get knocked out or hurt by this guy. I'm just like, oh, I might get embarrassed on the decision at worst if you know what I mean. Mm. But, um, yeah, that guy, I was like, man, I can get slept here and it's my biggest fight. Pro main card of Cage uh, Warriors life in front of thousands of people. You're going to be like one of them clips getting knocked out. It <laughs> goes viral one night. Luckily, I weren't on the receiving end of it, but um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was feeling the nut. I, I kept it cool in my corner uh, from my corner team to see that I weren't sort of freaking out. But inside, I was like, "Man, yeah, I was freaking out in
0: there." <laughs> um, okay, so last couple of questions for you. Uh, what's Danny Batten like as a coach? What's that? Sorry. Um, what's Danny Batten like as a coach? Oh,
1: yeah, he's a, br- he's a brilliant coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's psychology and uh, strategy in, in MMA. It's like second to none, and uh, yeah, I couldn't recommend him enough. He, he's just a great coach, and uh, yeah, you you feel confident when you're uh, walking up to fight with him. And uh, just like James, is is these two in the corner? They tell you exactly what you need to do and uh, when to do it. And that's such a hard skill because obviously, especially at flyway, the guys are moving at like 10 times as it's fast still still as, quick. uh, yeah. I've thought I've been in a corner myself and I went to say stuff and then it's already on the next transition. Mm. And it's such a skill when they can say it before it's even happening. Cause, uh, anyone can see it and then go, oh, I'll say that, say that. But actually, when you're calling out what to do before it happens, that's that's a crazy skill in itself. And uh, yeah, Danny and James have uh, got that, but not many fighters have got that. Not even in the, in the UFC, they've got that kind of level coaches where they can say that stuff. Because you can even listen in now on UFC Fight Pass to both corners and the stuff some of the UFC teams are saying is just horrendous, really. You're like, man, they needed Danny oh. Button or Jim Doolin in the corner.
0: There was one fight. Oh, I forget what fight it was. It was recently, um, I think it was the, the empty arena match, which or the card, which UFC did with no fans there. Um, and yeah. one of the fights, the corner, the instructions they were given, like even me as someone who's not trained, and not like yeah. an MMA coach I've never fought in my life. I was just like, Jesus, what the hell are you going on about? And I could yeah. it was infuriating. Um which I uh, but I also found it really surprising. Um I am interested just going back to that question which um <coughs> sorry which Jody asked about uh, Danny as a coach I am interested in what um what Danny's like when he's training people in terms of is he a shouter or is he more of a, like a, like a talker? Because, only because obviously like I'm friends mm. with him now and I've grown to know him, but I just know him to talk to and to kind of shoot back yeah. and forth on the phone and stuff.
1: Yeah. He's a bit, obviously when he's teaching is serious, but in between is, is a class clown man. And, uh, me being me, I'm sort of the class clown too, but cause it, cause he's the class clown as well. I was sort of, uh, clowning around uh, most of the sessions when I should have been um, behaving myself like everyone else and just watching Danny sort of clowning around, then getting back to the uh, business. But I'm clowning around too. And uh, Yeah, it's, it's good fun, but it was, it was slowing me down. All, all the other guys, they, they let Danny clown around a bit uh, in between this, the sessions and they're sort of still doing the techniques yeah that he's been teaching. But in between, I'm clowning around to it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did he ever, ever tell you off? No, um,
1: no, definitely <laughs> not. I'm at like a James knows what to do with me now. I've been, I've been talking when he's been teaching once, and he's dragged me across the the. <laughs> I've been sat down. He's dragged me across the mats like a little kid <laughs> when I'm playing up. <laughs> I, I need someone to sort of uh, be sort of being the teacher around me with with Danny's just uh, one of the lads, but obviously when he needs to be serious, he can be, but now he's a great laugh to be around. And um, yeah, there's never a boring session. Plus obviously you're learning every day. So yeah, Yeah. it's great to be around
0: Danny. Yeah. He's a, he's a really, uh, he's a really good man. I um like, he's taught me so much, just not even just about MMA, just, um, like I'm just really happy to have uh, kind of found him and just got to know him as a friend and that. And I'm like, when this lockdown's over, I'm coming, out, I'm going up to Northampton, um, to do like a bit of a trip and meet him and have a look at the gym and stuff, because yeah. just because like like I say he's just a good guy, like good guy, and um, like he'll shoot oh, me, yeah, yeah. he'll shoot me a text and stuff and just say like you know, you how you doing in the lockdown and just kind of checking in and that. Just a top bloke. And then, um, yeah. yeah, I just oh, like do. I absolutely. love doing shows with
1: him. I'll, I'll have to show you a few videos, actually. And there's been yeah, some, some of my funniest memories at, at BST. There's, a, there's yeah, been a few crazy guys turn up in the past and uh, like just off the streets in Northampton and, and come for a class, but they've been doing like traditional jiu-jitsu. And they're uh, the sort of, you know, this kind of brainwashed sort that of, think they can twist your wrist to make you do backflips. And, of course, yeah. Danny gets the uh, once-a-one-on-one with him. The the guy's ha- harmless. It's just a, a big sort of funny thing. Yeah. We, we all love uh, Richard. It wasn't like a, a a bullying thing. It was more just like for a, a bit of fun. And that, he's twisting Danny's wrist and he's doing backflips <laughs> and all sorts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just just some hilarious memories of uh, hanging out with Danny and uh, being in the classes. I miss him a lot but then. Yeah, when he needs to be serious, he, he's, he's one of the best for sure.
0: Yeah, funny enough, uh, when I had Tom Learns on, uh, he said the same about Danny's uh, ability to strategize um, like MMA fights and particularly when it comes to jujitsu and stuff like that and grappling. He's just, his mind for it is outstanding. Like,
1: Yeah, he he teaches you some stuff that you just um. Yeah, it's almost you need to be educated on strategy and psychology of fighting because it, it's a major thing. If you if you hear a lot of fighters interviews, they're always talking about the the mental side of it, and mm. uh, Danny really um, educated me on that. And um, yeah, I can't tell you it, too man. much because obviously uh. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you all the secrets, but um yeah, they've really worked for me and um yeah, I'll be forever grateful for um learning all that stuff off him.
0: Um okay, so Gaz wants to know do you think uh, Khabib Kabib versus Ferguson is officially cursed and who would win it if it does ever happen?
1: Yeah, I see um Kabib being too much for him and just uh Say the backflip, uh no, when he got punched against Pettis and did the forward rob. If you did that against Khabib, it'd be on top of him like smashing his face in. So I yeah. think yeah, I, I just think he's too good for anyone in, in lightweight full stop. I don't think anyone's gonna ever beat him. It's a bit like Mayweather. You you keeps hearing the next biggest guy to beat him, but they, they never will. He's just too far ahead, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing I said um, actually when they were lining up the the G Ferguson fight for this UFC card, which got called off yesterday, was if any fighter can stay in the tip-top best shape during a lockdown, it's Tony Ferguson because he doesn't train like anybody else. <laughs> he trains so differently with different equipment, and he and he trains yeah. so much on his own that. Like, he could probably go into a fight after a lockdown and he'd be, like, in the same shape that he would be if he'd, that yeah. the gyms had been open. Um, yeah, I do definitely. Want, I... Go on, mate. Sorry, that was yeah. my fault. Oh, no,
1: it's just, um, yeah, if if uh, they both didn't have a team and it was just solo training, I think, uh, yeah, my, my chances of him winning would be so much higher because... Uh, yeah, I think he's the guy that could go into a fight, no no team, no sparring, and still do it, uh, put on the same performance as if it had a whole camp with his team. <laughs> he's a freak yeah. in that way.
0: He's got such a chin on him as well. Like, Yeah, such, he's, uh, he's definitely number two for sure. I'd love to see him and McGregor fight, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, man, that's the fight I want to see. Like, everyone goes on about the Khabib Connor rematch. And I would like to see that I would like to see how Conor gets on if he was fully focused like he was against Cerrone. and and he, I feel like in the Khabib fight Conor worried so much about what Khabib was doing that he didn't fight his normal fight like he wasn't yeah. creating the creating those same angles for the counterpunching and and doing mm-hmm. all the things that had got him to where he was today like yeah. Danny points out to me all the time when we talk about Connor, is when he fought Khabib, he hadn't fought for two, I think, two years or two and a half years in MMA. So, because of the Mayweather fight. So, like to go yeah. that long without fighting in MMA and then go into yeah. a fight against the best, probably maybe the best lightweight yeah. ever, it's a big ask.
1: Yeah. Again, on the psychology stuff, if if you look at all McGregor's fights, he's always told you how he's going to win, how he's going to knock the guy out. And uh, he, he didn't he didn't have an answer for that against uh, Khabib. He never said he was going to, how he was going to knock him out or finish him. No. I don't think he could visualize it and believe it. So yeah, I, I kind of knew psychologically he weren't ready for that one. Because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just didn't seem as confident as all the other fights, and uh, it was quite apparent. So he, he went on to promote his whiskey instead. Yeah, trying to. I think that was like a distraction for most people.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the way uh, the build up and the 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 interviews he did in the build up to Cerrone, and then you look at the build up to Khabib, and like take out all the. You know, like the, the dolly and all that sort of stuff, but just yeah. the interviews and that sort of stuff. And then you compare again to, like, say, the Alvarez fight, the Khabib fight is the anomaly. His um, everything he did about the build up to it was completely different to all the fights. That even the the Nate Diaz fight that he lost, like the build yeah. up to the Khabib fight, was so different. Like you mentioned, he he didn't say how he was going to do it. So yeah, yeah it was, it was he let, interesting. He let
1: it slip as well. Yeah, he let it slip in the the interview before the the Cerrone fight. He didn't actually say it, but he subtly hinted that he he didn't believe he was going to win it. He he said something that didn't sound very confident. I can't quote it. I can't remember. But yeah, there was something he said, and you're like, yeah, he doubted himself in that. I think he mm. just said something like. Uh, when you don't train how you should, you know, doubt starts creeping in or, or something like that. Yeah. And that means he, he doubted himself from, from the start going in there. And against Khabib, you can't have a single strain of doubt if you think you're going to win. But no, I mean, it's a different kind of
0: beast. Uh... Oh, yeah. I, um, I, but I would, that's the, the only, like, I'd rather see F corner fight a Gaith G. Or a Ferguson, if I'm honest, I think they would both be absolute bangers. Um, Me too, yeah. Yeah. But if you could guarantee me a motivated, focused Conor McGregor, then I would like to see how he does against Khabib with the right frame of mind and the right training and the right preparation. I would love to see that. Um, Okay, Uh, literally, last couple of questions then. uh paddy the baddy pimblet what's your opinion of him as a fighter
1: um yeah he's he's a very good fighter and um he got he got um he got sort of made too big too soon but now i think he is at the level where he can make the ufc just yeah i think they threw him in the deep end too early instead of uh building him longer but um yeah, he, he's a very good fighter, and he's he's definitely one of the best in the UK at, at lightweight. Now he seems really strong. Um, the only thing is that division's so so strong Still in the UK. Wondering how how we'd get on uh, with those guys is a different sort of thing. But yeah, he looked like an animal in his last fight. He did really good. But um, yeah. yeah, as soon as he canny, as soon as he, he got his hands way. on him. Yeah, that division's stacked, man. It's it's a tough one, but no, he's a, he's a great fighter.
0: Even in even the Cage Warriors division is pretty stacked. Uh, in that division, let alone yeah. you know the UFC one is insane. Um, but the Definitely. you know the Cage Warriors uh, division is stacked also. Um, okay, uh, in your opinion, which British fighters should we keep an eye out for over the next couple of years? Who could potentially make a jump? To a to a UF to the UFC. Um, I'm gonna have to say myself. <laughs>
1: yeah, man. Yeah, you you're gonna have to keep an eye out for me on, on getting the knockouts, I think. Excellent
0: answer, that's the word. Well, um
1: apart apart from me, uh Leon Leon Edwards, man, he, he might be the next guy to get the belt. Who knows?
0: Who do you think will be uh the next British person, a British fighter, to get a UFC belt. Yeah,
1: uh, Leon Edwards. I'll Leon think.
0: Edwards, do you reckon? See, I think it'll be Jack Shaw. But as you think, yeah, maybe I'm. Yeah, a bit and... I might be a bit biased, but Jack yeah, Shaw um... me.
1: yeah, could 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 well be. He, he is a sh- very strong bantamweight now, and uh, very yeah. talented. I
0: think it. I think he'll do well. He's uh, he's he, he's um his all round game. I think is um yeah very very good. But you just it's yeah, you know, yeah that top him is brilliant. It's um it's one of those things in it as well. And you know you need that bit of luck. Um I don't necessarily mean in terms of the actual fights, but you need that bit of luck for a. Uh, To get that big fight, or to get a a certain fight to come along at the right time, and then you win that, you win that fight, and then someone else gets injured or loses a fight, and it all kind of opens up for you to get a title shot or a number one contender shot. Um, And so, you know, you do need that kind of luck on your side as while you're going through, you know, your division and uh, building that highlight reel, as we said. Um, Okay, last question then, last question. Uh, What's the funniest thing you have ever seen in an MMA cage? Oh, let
1: me think. (laughs) It's a tough one, really. Oh. Oh, there's been so many crazy ones, I guess. Uh, pro- probably McGregor actually when he, he he jumped he jumped the cage and then got in a fight with the referee. Yeah, that was oh, insane. Khabib- no, 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 I've changed one. The the Khabib fight that when he punched the Russian guy on the, the fence and then he getting pounded on. Yeah, that definitely that that that, that fight. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen.
0: Insane, wasn't it? And like Khabib jumped the fence to go after <laughs> Dylan Danis, and you're yeah, thinking just as this. Jumped, that was- Really? Just as it's like calming down and you're thinking, all right, it's gonna kinda of calm down, some other Russian guy jumps the fence to go after Connor in the octagon, and Connor oh, smacks yeah. him and then it all kicks off again. It's insane. Um yeah, that I, saw a, I saw a video clip the other day from an amateur event in the UK where it was these two dudes they were fighting, and the one guy's like knocked the guy down, he's got him in full mount and he's like just pounding him both fists straight there. and the referee's like stopped it because the guy's unconscious and the guy just keeps going and keeps going he's just sat on him yeah. and just pounding him and then um, the referee's like trying to put him off put him off and he won't and he's because he's continually hitting him in the face and the head obviously the referee's getting concerned and the referee just puts a rear naked choke on the guy who's in the mount and just pulls him down and chokes him out and like until he's you know, until he <laughs> calms down, like but I was just like, whoa, uh, that's wild. But I think <laughs> yeah, like you know, he did the right thing ones. though. He did the right thing because the guy was unconscious, like he <laughs> can't be smashing someone's face while they're unconscious repeatedly. Um and it's the referee's responsibility, you know. Oh no, that's a terrible referee, really.
1: Yeah, I've I've had a few fights with terrible referees where you're just like, come on, man, stop this! Yeah. Like you're choking a guy out unconscious and you can't let go of him because he might come back back around. So you're yeah choking him and it, it's got to the point where he's been asleep for a few seconds and the, their corner teams had to scream in to get mm. to, to get me to let go because the referees just looking like cluelessly and uh, you see that time and time That's again. Bad, it's man. terrible, really.
0: And then to add it when you add into that, there's some guys like you mentioned earlier, but there's some guys who who will never tap. Like they'd rather their arm break than tap out, or they'd rather yeah. go unconscious than tap out. So then that's yeah, when yeah. you need yeah. like top tier referees like John McCarthy and um, I forget the other guy's name, which I really read. Yeah, what the the black guy with the really long dreadlocks, I think, is really good. Um, I forget yeah. his name. Herb Dean, yeah, man, I think he's really good. Uh, and the guy who was at Cage Warriors, uh, the last Cage Warriors show as well, was I think he's one of the better referees. Oh,
1: um, Rich Mitchell is it
0: the bowl. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a, he's a really good ref, actually. But I I, 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 do you think they should have ex-fighters as refs and judges? Uh, maybe.
1: Um... Quite a few. I think it's just an experience thing. It's just uh, you're going to make bad decisions and uh, like early on. But the the reality is, the bad decisions are really going to mess people up and break arms and stuff like that. Because uh, obviously, as a fighter, I mean, I I I wouldn't tap. I'd I'd rather get put to sleep. And unless it was going to like seriously injure me, like. I don't know, you're going to be out for six months for your knee or permanent injury. I'm not going to tap from a, any other kind of lock or submission. Mm. So, yeah, you want guys around that are going to sort of separate it because... Uh,
0: yeah, you need referees to protect fighters from themselves.
1: Yeah. Like, Yeah, I think judging, definitely fighters should be judges, but um, referee is again, it's another skill, so maybe as long as they're highly educated and they're, they're uh, been around for years they should be doing the top shows it's just yeah starting out like anything else there's not enough training or anything you probably just gone on a three day course and you can be an MMA referee yeah, yeah you it's need just more one of them it's just yeah while you're sort of learning it is deadly what can happen.
0: Yeah yeah that's it now I think um like John John big John McCarthy um yeah is such a good referee and I think he's a big loss to the UFC, um, yeah, where he's gone into commentary and being a pundit because not just for the fights that he referees but also like helping young referees coming in as well. Um, I feel like, yeah, he's a big loss, but he was in. Uh, we were watching UFC 2, like I mentioned earlier, the other day, and then who would be there for, for his debut as John McCarthy, like in UFC 2, and I was like, yeah. Jesus. That's insane, but yeah, um, cool. Okay, uh, Luke, tell the the tell the people where they can find you on social media and stuff.
1: Yeah, my my Facebook page, uh, Luke the Apocalypse Shanks, and on Instagram, ShabbaShanksMMA. Shanks MMA, And uh, yeah, stay tuned because I'm going to be the next flyweight cage warrior champ, and then go on to the UFC and get that belt too.
0: Taking over. Taking over. Definitely. Um uh, guys, you can find me on Twitter at ace cast underscore nation, same on Instagram, facebook.com slash ace cast nation. Um subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have new three at least three new shows every week with top fighters, actors, uh footballers, all sorts. We have a live uh football show every Monday evening, seven thirty with former Premier League striker Andy Campbell. Uh, Every Wednesday, we release a new Danny Button MMA show, or the Danny Button Fight Show, as it's been rebranded, because we also cover boxing as well. Um, Every Friday, The Boot and the Limp, which is our over-18 explicit explicit language. It's an X-rated, light-hearted look at the world and the news and and like. And then every Sunday, we release uh, an extra show as well subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash podcast nation as that's the, the best way to support us as a channel as we uh, keep trying to build it up and grow. Luke, thank you for your time, my friend. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for having me on Simon, man. And I love uh, listening to your
1: podcast. So yeah, thanks,
0: thanks, man. Thanks. Man. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have a, have the little clip play us out and uh, yeah, guys, yeah. We'll see, you, uh, see you next episode. Cheers Play, play, play Voice tech Podcast Network.